Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. You're listening to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. My guest today is Pauline Yang, who is a classical pianist and also a U.S. arts envoy for the U.S. Department of State. So let us meet Pauline. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Shirley. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. Yeah, no problem. And by the way, Pauline is now in Taiwan. It's quite an honor to be able to um, not meet her in person, unfortunately, because of COVID, but uh, to be able to speak with her and get to know her better. So anyway, Pauline, um, how old were you when you started learning piano? I think this is a, I mean, a very appropriate question to start off with, I suppose. Sure. I was five years old, and I think that that's pretty common uh, based on what I've seen around the world and also amongst my own friends uh, that uh, usually kids will start at about five on average and then most will quit by 12 on average. But I was one of the lucky ones who did decide to go on and have loved it ever since. Okay. So you were telling me that you really uh, love how other people were learning musical instruments or the piano and everything. And that's why you asked the parents if you could learn it. Um, it's it's kind of unlike like my parents kind of they wanted me to learn a musical instrument so they said well why not a piano so I mean I enjoyed it in the beginning but then after a couple of years I started hating it you know because I hated practicing so what was it about piano in particular that you really like about it I think that I was really drawn to the music that I was hearing so much on the radio both at home and in the car and I just had such a strong connection to it, perhaps even more so than the typical five-year-old maybe. And I loved the music so much. So I wanted to be able to also learn some of the pieces that I had been hearing and listening to. And then also a lot of my friends were learning piano. So I also wanted to be able to um, play just like they were able to. And then my parents, they actually did not force me to learn piano. So I asked to be able to take lessons. We didn't even have a piano yet at the time when I asked to take lessons. And so then my parents did decide when I was about to turn five that they would get me a little um, spinet uh, Baldwin piano. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so excited about that. I'll never forget when it was uh, sent over to my house in New Jersey and just being so captivated by the instrument and just wanting to learn as much as possible and as fast as possible so that I could be able to play the pieces that I had been wanting to learn. And um, the other key, I think, to my loving it so much from the beginning uh, was also the fact that I had such a great first teacher. She was so patient, so supportive, so encouraging, and she made piano fun for me and also made me realize that I could progress very fast as long as I would remember what she worked with me on in the lessons and also to do some work outside of my lessons on my own. And because I wanted to get better, I was willing to practice and I enjoyed doing so because I was seeing the rewards, which at the time meant moving on to the next set of pieces and then moving from book to book. And I just loved that feeling and I could feel that I was improving. And I I guess that's in my personality. I like to improve. I like to grow uh, in everything that I'm doing. And um, it was just very, uh, very much um, a gift 
from what I saw, um, to be able to learn it. So I felt that my parents and my teacher were giving me this great gift to learn piano. Wow. Well, I, you know, I think you have such a different experience from me. And I think mm. having, finding the right teacher is very important. And no wonder because you had your first international competition at the age of seven in Washington, right. D.C. What was that like? Were you excited or were you nervous? I can't see you being nervous because you're loving it so much. Oh, <laughs> well, well, every competition and every performance, uh, it was and uh, for every performance now, it continues to be a lot of nerves. That's really? for sure. Uh, despite the fact that I love it, right? Uh, uh, because I think that it's not mutually exclusive, unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, there's always a lot of nerves involved, which I think is also normal. But for that first competition, uh, that first international competition in Washington, DC when I was seven, I do remember being a combination of both. I was certainly <laughs> nervous because I wanted to be able to do my best and to be able to show the judges what I had worked so hard on and also what my teacher had worked so hard on with me mm. to polish, polish and polish the pieces <laughs> um, that I had been preparing for the competition. Mm. And so it's just that, uh, I think, extra pressure of wanting to do well that made me nervous. Mm. And then I was certainly very excited too. The experience of it being an international competition, it was certainly my first. And then getting to see and meet the other competitors, getting to hear them, and then just being in a different um, location from my usual of just home, school, piano lessons, um, just away from my usual environment. Uh, it was very special. So just everything about it felt really new. And the one constant about it was the piano. And uh, I felt very lucky too, to be able to have that experience, um, to have the piano be uh, really the means by which I was then able to go to a different city and uh, to get to um, see more and to meet more people. Yeah, and I read that um, at the age of 11, just only four years later, that you actually made your debut performance with the Philadelphia Orchestra, as well mm -hmm. as you had a solo recital debut at the Carnegie Hall. Now, that's a place where everybody wants to have a foot in, okay? So, right. yeah, you must have been a really amazing student in piano. I mean, from just this, this kind of accomplishment here, at the age of 11 with an orchestra, and then Carnegie Hall, also around age of 11, right? Right. Um, and actually, those two performances were literally a week apart. Oh, I'll never forget gosh. the Philadelphia Orchestra performance uh, uh -huh. where I was performing the Chopin uh, Piano Concerto Number no. 2 in F minor. Oh. That was on March 7th, 1998. <laughs> and then literally a week after, March 14th, was the Carnegie Hall uh, oh, wow. solo recital. And it's a completely different repertoire, of course, because it's a solo recital uh -huh. um, as opposed to a concerto. So it was a lot of repertoire to prepare at the time. I believe the solo program was about 75 minutes. Oh, no, I think 85 minutes, actually. So oh. it's a lot of pieces and, of course, all from memory. And to prepare that and the um, Chopin concerto uh, with one of the big five orchestras um, of the United States, uh, which had been a dream of mine. Okay, you must have an amazing memory because I'm terrible at memorizing, you know, scores. I mean, yeah, a whole repertoire. I can't do that. You do believe that you have an exceptional memory, right? I mean, eight five minute performance, that's how much how much music you have to memorize. Right. It's a lot of music. At the age of eleven. I, <laughs> mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I have an exceptional memory though, actually, because that's to be expected of uh, any 
child of that age um, doing oh. an entire solar recital, right, to be able to memorize all of that. And um, that tradition started from um, the late 1800s when Franz Liszt and Clara Schumann um, mm. were both trying to impress audiences and one up each other and uh, because they were both so great. And so one of them decided um, to start memorizing all the music uh, for concerts and then the other decided that they could do that as well. And so since then, thanks to them, pianists have to memorize our entire concert programs <laughs> for solo recitals. Wow. Right. Okay. So no, it's a lot to, to memorize, that's for sure. Yeah. But um, I remember at that age, at 11, for both of those performances, those continue to remain two of the performances that I was most nervous for. Oh, okay. Um, it, yeah, I could feel the gravity <laughs> of those performances, um, partially because the Philadelphia Orchestra's storied legacy and history, um, and just from how phenomenal they are. They're one of my most favorite orchestras in the world. And then for the case of Carnegie Hall, also a storied legacy and history. And like you said, everybody wants to um, have a foot in the door there mm -hmm. and to be able to play even for a minute <laughs> on that stage. You're right. And, uh, oh, it was an, an incredible experience. But I, I felt so sick, physically sick oh. backstage. <laughs> and I didn't want to go on stage oh, in that last really? minute. Yeah. I was so nervous. Oh. And I remember I told my teacher at the time, uh, that I was so hungry all of a sudden because uh -huh. I, I can't eat before performances. That's normal oh, for I know. performers, I think. Same here. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh -huh. So um, it was unusual that I felt hungry. And then he said that he could go across the street to get me some food from the famous Carnegie Deli. <laughs> and then he, he actually did go uh -huh. and get me a sandwich. And then yeah. when he got back, I said, oh, I, I feel sick. I don't feel hungry anymore. <laughs> Oh, oh my yeah, gosh. those nerves. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then let's move ahead. In fact, during your undergraduate studies, you double majored in piano performance and political science. And that kind of is, you know, the reason why it got to where you are today as a U.S. arts envoy. You had a love political science as well, as well as piano. So that's why you decide on that double major. So I think that part was twofold. So partially, I always loved academics. And so that's why I decided... Um, not to enroll in a traditional conservatory where it would be strictly a music focus. Uh, mm. I had already gone to um, the Juilliard School um, for the pre-college program, so I had a taste of what the conservatory life would be like, and I'm glad that I did. Um, it was really great uh, for me personally and professionally to have gone there, but I realized then that I wanted to be able to go to a um, college or a university where I would be able to do a double major. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. The other part of it in terms of why political science was that um, it was actually international relations that I was most interested in mm -hmm. for the academic side. And so I knew that I would study and pursue that later on in my life. But I felt that in order to understand and appreciate international relations more, mm -hmm. I felt that I should at least start with having a deeper grasp and understanding of my own country's um, history and government and the political system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with um, that being in the United States. And so I felt that I wanted to learn more about the U.S. government and history and yeah. politics before mm -hmm. branching out into international relations. And I do think that that ended up helping me a lot. Well, actually, you went on to uh, master's 
um, at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. And you wrote a thesis, and it's entitled, and I love this title, uh, Musical Magic, the Roles of Music at the White House and at State Dinners. Now, I know that you had a curiosity over, like, you know, just what role music and diplomacy plays together. Is that Was that what it was? So that actually started from when I was 13, because my teacher at that time, uh, Lee Kum Singh, a phenomenal teacher based in Vancouver, Canada, um, for whom I started to fly from New York every other weekend uh, for I piano know. lessons by yeah. myself. Yeah, uh, he was teaching me so much, not just about music, but about life. And he taught me from that age the importance of learning more about international relations and um, other cultures, other countries, um, histories, and um, also about the importance that music um, can have in diplomacy. And so he started putting that into my mind from such a young age. And so that stayed with me, especially through my own concert travels internationally, because I saw it, I felt it. Mm. And uh, that encouraged me even more then to continue to have that be part of that direction, ultimately, in terms of where I wanted to um, go towards in my life and career. And so in graduate school, um, when I was doing my master's at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, which has such a wonderful history of training diplomats, um, oh. especially uh, from different countries. Uh, I really was lucky to ha- work with some of the best professors, um, some of whom were diplomats and some of whom were from the academic side, mm-hmm. um, to learn more about traditional diplomacy and diplomatic history, and then also public diplomacy and underneath all of that, then uh, the role that music and culture can play in Hmm. diplomacy. And so I uh, worked with my um, fantastic um, academic and uh, thesis advisor, um, Alan Henriksen, who is one of my greatest mentors and continues to be. He's really a lifelong teacher. And uh, we decided that it would be really fascinating to write my thesis on this topic. And here's Pauline Yang playing Rachmaninoff. (laughs) 